Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, my man? Not too much. Pumped to be doing this on Periscope. Um, you know, hopefully get some people involved in the chat here and, you know, break down the NFC South. I think this is a good division. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, doing this podcast form as well and also available on Periscope and we'll be on the YouTube page as well. Is that correct, Connor? Yep. All right. Sweet. Uh, this is a home game for us. Joining us this week to uh, unpack the uh, NFC South, a good friend of the show, really, you can say the creator of the show in a sense, originally giving us this platform three years ago at a now deceased, defunct, not to be named <laughs> company. Uh, look at the man, <laughs> the myth, the legends, the COO at the newly launched FTN, Elliot Chris. What's going on, bud? Hey, I, honestly, I'm just excited that you said I was a friend. I don't, you know, <laughs> privately we tend to talk like that, but publicly you've never admitted that. So this is this is one of the nicer introductions I've ever had. It's true. true, right? Um, I love you like my little brother, and I can't – that's <laughs> the best compliment I have. Uh, the worst is when we're in, we're in Slack chat and people are starting to make jokes about me, and then I see Noonan start to type, and I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I have the brace for impact because it's always it, – it cuts real deep. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, it, we have good times. The, the TQE stuff, I don't even think they are deceased at the moment. They still have a website. But um, any, any subscribers in the chat right now? That would be interesting. I wonder who still subscribes. Um, I, listen, I <laughs> – the the coffin dancers or whatever they're definitely coming. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, man, it was it's crazy how how the three years have passed, and I, this this was one of the better shows that we had over there, and I, it's awesome that you guys are continuing to do it, and I'm pumped to be on. Hell yeah, yeah, we uh, love the opportunity. We'd love to bring you on and talk stuff uh, as well. So before we get going here, just tell us a little bit. I mean, I, I'm obviously biased. I am a part of what's going on over at FTN, but uh, you have been really a driving force for a lot of the exciting stuff that's coming out of there, tool creations. I know you've been working your ass off. Uh, talk to the listeners a little bit about uh, FTN offerings and what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. We got three websites, uh, FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, and FTN Bets. A bunch of unique tools, whether it's uh, you know the Parlay Calculator, which is really unique, the prop shop, which is basically Google for, for futures, and we're going to have in-game props real soon, live odds tables, splits tools. We have about uh, 15 tools coming out in the next two weeks, too, for NFL really ramping stuff up. You know, um, optimizers with SaberSim, content from guys who've won three millionaire makers. It's just it's loaded up. We've we're actually got a promotion starting at midnight that if you buy the NFL season, you will get the NBA playoffs for free. So make sure you check that out at uh, FTNDaily.com. That's a good deal. It's good stuff. All right, uh, before we jump into it, support for Move the Line is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Uh, They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code MOVETHELINE at manscaped.com. 20% free shipping at Manscaped. So use that code MOVETHELINE. All right, gentlemen. NFC South is going to be a fun one for interesting teams. You know, we can buzz through some teams here and there. I don't think that's really the case in this division. A pretty exciting one. 
they are facing the AFC South and NFC East. Um, some light squads mixed into there. Uh, at the top, you got the Saints here favored minus 110. Bucks right behind them plus 160. And then the Falcons and Panthers trailing behind. So, Connor, just overview. What's your thought about this division before we start to unpack it? I mean, just right off the top, like the Bucks at plus 160, you know, with Brady now is certainly interesting. But I think as we dive in here, um, you know, uh, as we as we break down each team, I think that I become less and less interested in. I think that um, it's not something that I'm I'm going to jump to take right away. Anything for you, Elliot, like right off the top here? Yeah, I, I when there were rumors that Brady might leave, I thought Tampa Bay made the most sense. So I took the Bucks back then um, at – Plus five hundred to win the division, and uh, forty to one to win the Super Bowl. But at this point, I wouldn't add. I wouldn't have any interest adding. I, I think that the Saints are the best team. the The Bucks should be much improved in general, just from a turnover standpoint. Even if Brady, you know, is is a little washed up, or regardless of where you come out, you know, they they had some really. Really, they have some really strong components of that team. I think they're they're definitely going to be a playoff team, but I think the Saints are the best team. Panthers are going to be one of the worst teams in football, but I think there's a lot of value on their player props right now. We can get into that more. Um, nice little pun there because DJ Moore is, is too cheap on <laughs> different bets. And, you know, I, I honestly think the Falcons' window closed. I know they have 11 first-round picks on offense, but ultimately I, I don't think that this is, this is a team that's going to be able to compete for the division. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be some fun DFS games involving the Panthers and Falcons this year for sure. So we'll start at the top though. Talk with the Saints here. Uh, you mentioned the kind of the team to beat again. Odds tell us that as well. They are minus three fifty to make the playoffs. Uh, total ten and a half for their wins, basically across the board. Um, and you can get them here at uh, plus six fifty on Fanduel to win the NFC and twelve to one to win the Super Bowl. They have basically been kicking the tires on the Super Bowl for a number of years here. Same iteration of the squad, basically. Um, some new moving parts coming in this year, I think, to help put them over the top. They really even had kind of a built-for-now draft as well. Kind of went for some, you know, filling short-term holes. Didn't really think long-term. But, again, it could be a really good fit for what they're looking to do now. So talk to me about the Saints, Connor. I know this has been a team. I think I've picked them to represent the NFC every year we've done this. And um, I think they're kind of on the board again this year if they can get things right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a team that can compete. Um, I think that a lot of the market already factors that in, though. Um, the, the strength of schedule I thought was different or uh, is uh, interesting because ninth most difficult according to posing win totals. And like kind of breaking that down, they play the Bucks twice. Obviously, that's a big component. Uh, they also get the Chiefs, 49ers, Eagles, Vikings, Packers. So, I mean, maybe the Packers aren't – as good as we we uh, as the win total suggests, but still, there's some tough opponents in there. Other than that, I think that they should be a pretty solid squad. Um, I mean, the last time that this team uh, won less than ten games was 2016, and that was when their defense was like league worst. You know, like they were like one of the worst secondaries in the league, and just allowing like you know pretty much anything to fly. So Breeze, I think, threw for over 5,000 yards. Uh, obviously, that's not the case anymore with the Saints. They're definitely a different team since then. Um, but with, I mean, the Bucks in their division, I think it makes things a good bit harder um, with, with Brady in town. So I think I'm, I'm not really going to touch anything as far as the Saints go on the total Super Bowl or anything there. Yeah, a couple of key additions that I, I think move the needle. Obviously, bringing in Emmanuel Sanders helps. 
they've really just struggled the last couple of years having that next receiver step up. Obviously, they are a team that utilizes you know the running backs out of the backfield quite often. You even get Taysom Hill, you know, so they've obviously been you know piecing it together without that clear second receiver on the outside. I think Sanders really helps elevate that position for them. Malcolm Jenkins coming over from Philly to kind of spear things on the defensive side, I think really helps shore things up there as well. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Saints, Elliot? Yeah, I really, really like the Emmanuel Sanders pickup. I think that him, his routes 10 to 20 yards down the field has been a missing component of this team. They tried to fill it in with Traquan Smith. I know the Dynasty community has insisted that he's really good for two years, but I'm going to go ahead and say that that was an incorrect take. Um, Ted Ginn Jr. has been washed for a couple years now. and I really think they're missing that component because so much of their offense is five-yard slants to Michael Thomas, right? It's why they have these drives that take nine minutes. Their defense has definitely improved. I think the other piece that is important to mention is Jameis Winston. And Teddy Bridgewater is a great example last year where he got hurt and they were able to maintain because they they put resources into that backup quarterback position. And, you know, obviously Drew Brees is 41 years old. He had the injured thumb last year. And, you know, it's it's hard not to mention COVID, right? If, if Brees gets COVID and has to miss three weeks, there's not a team in the NFL that's better prepared for their quarterback to go down. And that's that definitely helps with the future situation. So I think they're a really strong team. They're probably a top five team in the NFL. I think to Connor's point, though, they're priced accurately. So I don't necessarily see value in the lines. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if there's anywhere to chase here. I mean, uh, obviously, we talk about it every episode, really jumping in on an over on a double digit team total is typically pretty much a, a negative EV expectation. There probably is some outliers, Ravens, Chiefs, like we've talked about, feel like outliers this year, but not a ton of value in some of those numbers. How about the prop market? We could talk about Drew Brees to start. Um, we have our projections at four for four, uh, having Breeze at four hundred or 4,477 passing yards. That is significantly higher than anything out there in the prop market. Um, highest we can find is FanDuel over uh, 4,049 yards. What are your thoughts there, Connor? Yeah, I mean, so last season he played 11 games. He was on pace for uh, 4,333 yards. I mean, I think that's more fair um, and closer to our, our projection at four for four. Um, there is a 3,900 floating around at Sugar House. I think that's like a good bit too low. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I lean towards the over, but these overs are tough during the, the, the COVID. I mean, we've talked about like this at length in our, our past podcast. So unless I really, really like it, you know, I'm probably not going to hit an over. So, yeah, I'm probably staying away from from the breeze one, even though I do, you know, lean fairly heavily towards the over. Yeah, we're also very bullish on Michael Thomas, uh, 1,447 yards is his prop. Um, again, that tops what we find out there in the market. Um, Michael Thomas, wide receiver one still, Elliot, or are we, uh, we're going to see someone else cement him here? Yeah, so I I think that Michael Thomas could, could fall a little bit with the additional Emmanuel Sanders. Like, his target share among wide receivers with the Saints last year was, what, like 66%, Just which – which is absurd, right? Like the volume is likely going, I think with Sanders will drop. I think he'll eat into that a little bit. And Thomas doesn't have the downfield catches. And I think prior to last season too, one really interesting thing is when you looked at Thomas's big games, they often came in back and forth games where the other team was able to put up 21 or more points. As the Saints defense continues to improve, 
They become a slower-paced team. Some of those targets go away. I don't think he's locked and loaded as the number one overall wide receiver as much as people think. I know that's a hot take. I would take Breeze over, by the way. At Sugar House, it's um, he's 3,900 yards. That's yeah. That's incredibly low uh, for Drew Brees. I, I'm trying to pull up his game log as we speak, but I would have to guess any season he's ever played 16 games in, he shatters that number. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Michael Thomas bit is interesting because, like, I mean, he had like 1,700 yards last year, but with an over-under close to 1,400 yards, uh, I mean, it's just tough to bet the over there. And, I mean, he was, he was so dominant, but – like those high over-unders where a guy, uh, I mean, like Drew Brees is getting older. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I don't know. It's it's something that I'm just not really excited about in a binary prop market. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, Ellie makes good points too. I mean, 11th defensive DVOA. They're really above average, both the run and the pass. Really good against the run. And again, I think that Michael uh, Malcolm Jenkins signing kind of helps elevate things there too. Last prop worth discussing is Alvin Kamara. Obviously, he was a disappointment last year. He was dealing with some injuries. Obviously, didn't play a full slate of games. Uh, we were pretty close to the market on him. Our uh, projection on combined yards for Kamara is 1439. Uh, we find a 1450 out there in the market. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Connor? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation just came out now or, or reports that Kamara was playing with a knee injury last season. Um, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I feel like. If you watch the games, he didn't really look exactly the same either. And, you know, a lot of people were noticing that, you know, he wasn't quite as explosive. So, I, I mean, I'm not really sure that this is – this. I think that he has some kind of bounce back year um, overall. In But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that 1450 is probably too much for me to touch. It's a little rich. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kamara played with a bad back, two sprained ankles, and a, a knee injury. That's sounds like the way I feel when I get out of bed. Um, <laughs> but I think that Kamara's value is really on touchdown props right now. You can get him over under 10.5 total touchdowns. And you're looking at one of the guys that had the highest usage rate in his two healthy seasons with the Saints. You know, his biggest value is, to me, in the air, right? He's 81 catches in all three seasons. That's pretty – I don't even know how that happens. But <laughs> um, he's going to be used a lot in the red zone. And I know touchdowns are a bit random, but he's definitely due for a ton of positive regression. We're looking at a guy that two years ago led the league in touchdowns. Uh, and they're going to use him in the air and on the ground. So if I had to make an Alan Kamara bet, it would be the over uh, 10 and a half touchdown total touchdowns this season. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. He's definitely a buy. Like you said, I mean, even if he's cocked a little bit with the weird stuff they do with Latavius or Taysom Hill around the goal line, I think there's we're still talking about one of the most dynamic offenses in the league. They were uh, were they fourth in drive success rate last year, third in points per drive. Um, I can't see a reason why that's going to really slip outside the top five. So, what? Speak really random conversation, but how did the DFS community get so big into the word cuck? Like how is that like a thing? That's like everywhere on Twitter now, and I don't. Anyway, I just heard you use it with Latavius Murray, but I just I don't know where I mean, that one got started. 
I think it's a, I think it's a great word. It's very descriptive. Um, I mean, it's accurate in a lot of situations. It's very applicable. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good. It's, you know, maybe, uh, I just think it's impressive that we jumped from vulture to cuck. I think that's, that's like, <laughs> you surfed become, uh, become prominent. <laughs> and I don't know that I heard that very often, like prior to game of Thrones. So I feel like that that's somehow became oh, interesting or yeah. And our lexicon, I'm not sure how it happens, but, uh, and that wraps up the Saints. We can transition to the Buccaneers here. Uh, Tampa Bay, I don't know if I'm ready for all this stuff here. Uh, minus 177 to make the playoffs. Again, remember, we're dealing with an expanded playoffs this year, seven teams making the playoffs. Win total, nine and a half across the board. It obviously spiked massively with the Tom Brady news originally. Got all the way up to 10. It's fallen back and settled around nine and a half. You can get a plus 160 to win this division. Uh, plus 750 to go to the Super Bowl and uh, 16 to 1 to win it all. Uh, Connor, Tampa Bay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too in-depth on them before, you know, you give your take because I know that you are in on the Bucks and your your boy uh, Tom Brady here is uh, leading the charge and, and you're really excited about him. So I'll, I'll let you, you know, go first here. Yeah, I'm going to get in before uh, the Tom Brady's wash discussions uh, I know that that's what's going to be volatile. It's in my notes. It is. It is. It's already, it's already in there. Well, I've, Elliot teed it up really nicely. Is I think the one thing that, you know, while obviously a nine and a half are making a stance on the box at this point, we're not getting the best of the number. You get to get in really early. But we're also not getting the worst of the number anymore either because it was at 10 for a little bit. And the one thing that I think is not really being quantified properly in the evaluation in the market for the Buccaneers is turnovers. Um, they somehow managed to have a – positive point differential last year despite all of the 31 interceptions um, did some digging uh, there is some really good work done years ago in this like old school football book and then Aaron Schatz did some work over at Football Outsiders in probably a decade ago basically trying to quantify a turnover um, particularly an interception because again you know fumble recoveries year to year very high variance it's not a sticky thing it's there's a lot of luck involved um Basically, depending on where it happens, what down it is, it can be anywhere from like 3.2 to, to four and a half points. So just on average, basically an interception is basically worth four points. Uh, so if they even had a league average interception rate last year, they had a they would have a positive 60-point differential, firmly putting them in the playoffs. Uh, they didn't have any massive high variant on their end defensively with turnovers. So again, we know that Tom Brady washed or unwashed um, even if he's washed, what's going to happen is he's going to be even more conservative. So you're really going to be looking at something closer to like a 1.8, maybe a two and a half interception rate. That's significantly lower than what you were having with Jameis last year. Defense has improved. Um, I, I just think this is a, a team that is on the come defensively. And then I don't think Brady is washed. I feel like he is going to be dealing with nice warm weather. They don't see – they're not going to see bad weather at all. They basically in all of November and December – or either in Tampa or in a dome. Like, I think week seven or week eight, they're against the Giants on the road. That's probably their only opportunity for like adverse weather. They are going to have nice conditions for old man to stay warm. Uh, I think that they're a buy at, uh, at their spot. The end of the season schedule is really nice as well. So I'm in. I bet on the over at nine. And at nine and a half, I would still take it because I think it's a 10-win football team that has some upside at, uh, at 11. But uh, – yeah, been on the box. Thoughts, Elliot? Yeah, I would say um, 
the James Winston stuff is is unlike anything you've ever seen, right? It's it's hard to quantify it, where the man goes out and throws like two pick sixes and they're down fourteen nothing, and you're like, well, here here's DFS. What did fourteen of the sixteen games go over last year? Just it led to so many points, and you add in the fact that the Bucks were the best run defense in the NFL last year, right? And I think that actually really helps because the turnover differential and the run defense means that even if teams get up, they're not going to really – it's going to be a struggle to put Tampa Bay away. And whether or not you believe in clutch or not, I mean, Tom Brady is is very good in those situations. And I also think they've really built this team very well for him. You know, we, I'm someone that makes fun of Tom Brady a lot for being washed. He's certainly not washed to the point where he shouldn't be in the NFL. Um, and he's also – hasn't had weapons like this since the Moss years, right? I mean, Evans and Godwin and and Gronk, we'll see what happens with him. But O.J. Howard is also – he's in Cameron Bray. Like, he, Brady really likes using his tight ends. They've got some talent in running backs, a solid offensive line. I mean, this is the best surrounding cast that Tom Brady has had in a while. And I really think that this team is looking at 10-11 wins this season. They're going to be in the playoffs. I, I would lean over – Nine and a half. I'd feel a lot better if I'd gotten it early at nine. Again, I'm I'm really happy with the the box future that I have, and I'm kind of like pulled back from them and kind of say, listen, I I, I well, whatever happens, I got a great number, and I'm going to let that live, but I'm not going to you know go go force the situation. So, but I I think this box team is actually set up better than people um, give them, and I think the last point is that Todd Bowles is a guy who, while he struggled as a head coach, has developed some of the top defenses in the league. And there's some legit studs on that defense that people um, kind of forget about. No, that's a good point. It is. Um, Connor, they're favored in uh, 14 to 16 games using look-ahead lines. Too. Um, if you put any weight into that, uh, I'll toss it back to you now. Talk to me about the Bucks or maybe any of your favorite uh, props here in the prop market. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty – honestly pretty indifferent on them. I think that they they have a lot of upside. I'm just – I'm scared about what we saw sometimes from Brady last year. Um, and I think that the issue is, is like, I don't know how much weight to put into like nobody was actually getting open, which I think is totally true too. And versus like he couldn't throw the ball accurately downfield or like put enough oomph into it at times. And so like, I don't know. I think that the weapons here in Tampa will be able to compensate for his, his downfalls as, as you know, an older man at this point uh, in his career. So <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think that as a very team, polite with the slander, and I appreciate that. I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I think there was a there was a time where I was like, you know, just ripping on Brady. I don't think we talked for like a few weeks, so you know, I'd prefer <laughs> to just like keep it keep it PG here, and uh, we'll roll on is, to the prop market here. But is there is there a receiver that you'd want for a quarterback who struggles with the down downfield accuracy on your team more than Mike Evans? Right, I mean, no. didn't he just basically make Johnny Manziel with those jump ball situations? Like, you don't have to get it that close to Evans. Yeah, for, he's got to throw it. Um, yeah. But going from Jacoby Myers and and Enkeel Harry to Chris Godwin <laughs> and yeah, um, like Mike Evans, that's like yeah. That, I mean, it's just tough to like comprehend how that's going to even impact him. Like, you know, I I have no idea. Like, he could be just all of a sudden look amazing because he has stud receivers getting open or just winning every single 50-50 ball. Uh, which I think is, you know, very possible. Yeah, I honestly think the only bigger upgrade this entire offseason is me going from TQE to FTM. Like, <laughs> <laughs> second that one. I second that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was Jules and, and James White 
I mean, you're Matt Lacoste and <laughs> Mohamed Sanu on a broken foot. It was. I know James White is a good pass catching back, but if he's your top option in the pass game, you're in all kinds of trouble. Legit was though. I mean, really, it was not good. In the offensive line they had issues. I mean, they lost their center just before the season started. I mean, that's that wasn't good. They had just turnstile on the left side of the line. It just it wasn't great. It is like. Elliot said it's a massive upgrade for him all across the board. They obviously addressed offensive line in the draft, which was really nice. Uh, backfield is interesting. It's a lot of bodies. Um, this Ronald Jones stuff, guys, I, I can't. Oh, my God. No, That's the biggest question. So who is the, who's the running back? <laughs> who is going to be the guy in the backfield? Or is there even like a guy? Or are they all just going to like share touches and piss everyone off? Connor, have you ever uh, been on Twitter before and heard the phrase "running backs don't matter"? <laughs> it was no, designed it, for this. It's backfield. Ronald Jones season, baby. It's he's you know like uh, adding muscle, I think, and he's actually good. Apparently, I don't, uh, but like, I don't can, we, can we talk about this fallacy? Or I don't. It's fallacy is the wrong word, but like when someone posts a picture of them working out in the off season, and then it goes viral on Twitter, fantasy football Twitter about. Oh, this guy's in amazing shape. He's gonna crush this year. Have people seen professional athletes? Like they're they're all in redonkulous shape. He's been working out a lot this offseason. He's a professional athlete. That's what he does. Yeah. Tell me when he's not. Right? Like yeah. when you're Lendell White and you show up at like three hundred pounds for training <laughs> yeah. camp, then I'm super concerned. Exactly. But the fact that you 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 got strong in the offseason, that's what everybody gets. When we were yeah. quarantined for months and no one could do anything, probably except work it out, and yeah. you have a gym in your house, like I saw yesterday, like it, I think like DK Metcalf ran like a fade, and someone's like, "Yeah, year two, DK Metcalf, like dude's literally <laughs> shorts and a t-shirt against no defense." Like, there's the professional athlete making oh, that was that was a take one la- that was a take last year too. That my man was just running go routes, and people were like, "Oh, you say he doesn't have lateral agility." My man's running straight against nobody. What is happening? I'm a big fan of the new the newest narrative. Did you guys see this today? That Russell Wilson taught DK Metcalf how to swim. There is no tighter bond in all of sports than teaching your brother just to swim for the first time. I think that's just like truly incredible stuff. Like Metcalf. I mean, it's it's, it's a step above the shower, right? Yeah. Step, I mean, exactly. <laughs> His over under is 850 yards, but we're going to go all the way up to 1500 because they were in the water together. Because <laughs> they saw also, each other. I want to know what that. What does that mean? Taught him how to swim. Like, can DK Metcalf like go in the ocean and like swim around, or can DK Metcalf like stand in a pool and like do a little like arm motion thing? He like, just, like I, drowns like immediately. Like he just like as soon as he gets in, like, has, like zero like, percent body fat, right? Like he's got to be. Like, can he float? I would bet money that DK Metcalf can't float. No, no yeah. way. No way. No, it's a rock. Yeah, 0% chance. Well, All right. Rojo in his cast floats. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get caught up. If you've done – you know, you've tuned into any previous episodes of Move the Line, I've been um, an early adapter of Ronald Jones sucks. It is completely relevant in uh, fantasy football and betting props, but it does matter because he's not going to be able to catch the football because he can't, and it prevents him from staying on the field – um, so again, it's really going to be a matter of who does Brady trust back there. You know, obviously bringing in Shady McCoy, drafting Keyshawn Vaughn. They have three backs, and I think that's probably the best way to approach it from a team perspective. They're not going to necessarily rely on one guy because none of them at this point seem to be 
you know, upper echelon guys or even really league average. So I'll jump into the props though. Uh, Brady, our projections are very generous at four for four, uh, 4,730 yards, uh, about 400, 500 yards clear of anything in the prop market. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Elliot? I would take the under on 4,700 yards, but I'm not taking the under on 4,200 yards. Um, when you have these weapons and the Bucks are going to lean on their passing game and the, and the way they shut down the run, they're going to, they're going to keep up the pace. I, I would lean over 4,200 yards. I'm probably, I'm in the, the 4,400 yard range. Uh, and touchdowns, uh, touchdowns are, we haven't projected at 28. You're seeing uh, 29 and a half out there. Any thoughts on touchdowns or, or the uh, yards for Brady Connor? I'm, I'm not touching it. Honestly, I, I don't really know. I, I kind of, Talk to you guys about it a little bit here, but I just am so unsure of how the situation is going to play out. I think that there are just better ways to attack it than like a primary or a binary prop market. Um, and kind of like speaking to that a little bit, I think it's important to note that we've I've talked about it before, but for like prop season long props, like there are guys who I'm certainly never betting. And it's guys who are like changing teams or like changing, uh, you know, head coaches or like whole coaching staffs. Um, like guys who are in really volatile situations that we don't really know, or there's a lot of uncertainty, like betting a season long prop on it is probably a pretty bad idea unless you like have inside information or like, you know, really have a good beat on like what's going to happen and the market has not reacted. But like a guy like Brady, I mean, I probably lean over just because it makes a lot of sense, but uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's definitely some windows for him to fail here. I think. I'll have none of that. <laughs> uh, I think cool. Connor's point about volatility is, is huge, right? Yeah. Like highly volatile players, you you bet on their their long shots, their range of outcomes for for you know high payouts. You don't you don't want to do a fifty fifty bet on a highly volatile guy. Yeah, that makes sense. We've seen that Evans is obviously probably one of the more volatile guys in the league, and then we obviously are throwing in now a quarterback that doesn't have just full on degaff all the time like Jameis did, it really fit him pretty well. Again, Elliot made a good point too that you know to bridge that gap, if Brady is less accurate at 43, 44 than he was in the past, you know, a, a good way to, to bridge that gap is a guy like Mike Evans who can go up and win just physically. He uh, He's going to have some opportunities to do so. But, yeah, I, these props are, are super hard to chase. I mean, Godwin obviously feels like he's going to get the more, quote, unquote, Brady-friendly targets working in line a little bit more out of the slot, obviously kind of fits a little bit more with Godwin's skill set. He's obviously a master after the catch too. Um, so Godwin we're a little bit bullish on as well. Four for four is at 1,300 yards, and we could find a 1,200 out there in the market. Any interest on that, Connor? Um, I mean, I think that – okay, so I think that this leads to the discussion of like Godwin versus Mike Evans here. Um for me, I think that Godwin is probably going to outperform Mike Evans. I know that what Elliot said makes a lot of sense in terms of like throwing jump balls, just based on like, you know, in the past with, you know, Brady's A dot was like 7.6, James was 10.4, Mike Evans' A dot was 14, Godwin's was 10. And a lot of that obviously had to do with like Brady's weapons versus James and like his tendencies. Um, but, you know, Godwin won, runs a lot of routes out of the slot versus Evans running a lot of routes outside. I still think that Evans is going to be like, okay, I'm just not as confident as Brady at this point, you know, being willing to throw as many jump balls as, you know, maybe a young gunslinger. Um, so I think that the Godwin is going to run like the higher percentage routes and probably come closer to his 1200 mark. We haven't projected for 1301. Um, so, I mean, I do like 
I lean over, but again, it's just not something that I have such a strong lean on that I'm confident enough to take the over. And then same with Evans, like 1150, I think already kind of factors in a lot of that downside that I just talked to you about. Uh, so yeah, I mean, again, that's probably just another stay away for me. One, one question I have for you guys and Noonan, you specifically is how much do you think that Brady leans in the slot is the system he came from? And how much do you think it is Brady's game himself? Because the one time he's ever had an elite outside wide receiver, Randy Moss, right? I mean, they they broke all the records. Yeah. I mean, still, though, Wes Welger had monster year that year as well. So I think it is, you know, schematically, I think it's kind of been, you know, how it's going to be. They, are, they have a lot of pre-stat motion. They take advantage of finding mismatches where they can get a guy like Welker or Edelman you know, against the linebacker. So I think that that is definitely schematic, but, um, you know, obviously at this point, I think we've stressed enough to know that he probably doesn't have what he had from a velocity standpoint. And I think I, there was some good stuff over at football outsiders about his downfield accuracy. I think it's better than the perception is at least as it was last year. We talked a little bit about the inability of his weapons to separate, but, you know, I think we know that Godwin can really do it all. So they're going to scheme those advantages. Hopefully, as smartly as uh, as McDaniel's did. Gronk is the question, though. We see, what do we do with Gronk, man? I mean, I know you were a big Gronk guy. You were a big Gronk guy the last couple of years of his career. I was right there with you. It, it was just so hard to watch, man. It was so rough uh, that last year in New England. He really just kind of popped for a drive in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City, and like a series in the Super Bowl. And it had just massive plays and then just went and partied and came back in great shape. I mean, does he come back? Is he refreshed or is this just kind of a guy that just had so many injuries? It's just hard to know what we're going to expect from him. Um, I, I think that the answer is kind of a bit of yes on, on both sides. Like, I, I think the, the way to bet on Gronk for me would be over five touchdowns. Because the way they're going to use him is in the red zone. That's where Brady's going to rely on him. Sure. I don't have any interest in taking him over 600 yards. I would lean the under there. I think the the reason I would like Gronk in best ball is because I think he's going to have real touchdown equity in this offense. Brady's going to lean on him. And he's still, whether or not his body works, is one of the biggest red zone mismatches in all of football. I do think that ultimately it will help. I also think that this is a great team for him to go to where there's two other legit starting NFL tight ends where there's a, I think there's a decent chance he ended up playing like 35% of the snaps. Yeah. I think they they really kind of ease him into this offense and they use him in the right way. And that way he's in the red zone and, and trying to get him to, to score touchdowns. So I, I would take the over five touchdowns. It's five and a half, a lot of places, but on sugar house right now, it's five. I, I think that's a, that's a, I have them at um, six and a half touchdowns. So I, I think that there's value there, uh, but the yards make me real nervous. Yeah, I think that's pretty sharp. And he's also an elite blocker. I'd imagine if his body is rested too, like he will be used that way. He that was kind of the underrated thing. It's not super sexy to bet props or you know think about it from a fantasy perspective, but like his versatility allowed New England to do so many things to be so multiple pre-snap based on they could put him in the slot, they could put him out wide, or they could just have a mismatch, bring him in line, and then block and have him just dominate. Um, he's also going to be able to do that for them, and then that you just have to account for him on the field in the red zone as a threat. So if nothing else, I don't want to say that he's a good decoy, but he does draw attention in a different way than maybe 
OJ Howard or even Cam Braid have done previously. hundred percent. And that, that run blocking is huge in the, in the red zone too, right? I mean, they can have three tight ends and a goal line set and have three legit receivers as yeah. well. It's, they're also like the monsters near the goal line, man, with, with OJ Howard and, and Gronk and Mike. Like that's, that's, I don't have the numbers, but that has to be the tallest trio um, in the NFL. Yeah. Some big dudes. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, on Gronk, Connor? No, I think that Elliot pretty much said it best. And like, if I were to attack, it'd probably be the touchdown props. Cause I could see them just like kind of rolling him in and like goal line packages, like every time they're there and him just like scoring like eight touchdowns this year. Um, very easily, but I don't really see him running many just like seams and, you know, <laughs> bursting the defense for like, you know, a 60, 70 yard play ever, um, or being like a consistent, um, reliable guy, like all the time with, you know, Godwin Evans there and just so many other weapons. So, um, yeah, I think that I'll probably stay away from the yards. If I were to attack, I'd take touchdown props, even though I'm not a, a big touchdown prop guy. Yeah. So the playoff team is really no value in that number from a betting market standpoint, like it's, it's minus 177, 180 of places. Like there's just nothing there. You're not getting the, any value on that to, for you to sit your, have your money sit out there for, for three months. So, uh, all right, before we move on, uh, we're going to talk about Connor's balls again. Let's talk about our presenting sponsor at Manscaped. Uh, Connor, we talked a little bit about your situation last week. You know, the, uh, the Brooke Lopez and a leg lock situation you got going on down there. You're a hairy, hairy individual. Um, talk to me about Manscaped. We got to get Elliot involved here. He's, this guy is getting, he's engaged. He's getting married soon. You know, we got to do Tina a favor here. We got to clean him up. <laughs> get him to get him the lawnmower. 3.0. And uh, so, you know, she's, I'm sure she's sick of you getting nicks and stuff on your stuff. So we got to get you set up with the, uh, the lawnmower. Connor, talk to us about Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, like, you know, I went from from Brooke Lopez uh, to Pitbull down there. I mean, it was, like, just a fantastic transformation. Uh, and, I mean, like I talked about last week, but I cannot get over the crop preserver, like the anti-chafing ball deodorant. It is just too good. Literally, I'm just – I'm smelling fresh every single time that, you know – after a long day of work, I come out and I'm like, man, I smell good. And I mean, yeah, Manscaped is legit. And like, I'm, I'm now a lifelong customer after getting, getting this box from them. The crop server is great. The lawnmower 3.0, as I said, just magical transformation. Waterproof too. It's got that little led light. As I mentioned last week too, you know, you're in the shower, little led is going to help you see some spots. Maybe you've never seen before, clean those things up. Uh, so remember 20% off free shipping with the code move the line at manscaped.com. All right. So we talked about the really good teams in the NFC South. Now we're going to talk about the fantasy friendly teams, the prop market friendly teams, not necessarily the good football teams. One of the other bets that I made here in the preseason is on the Atlanta Falcons um, on their under. Uh, they are seven and a half across the board. You can get them uh, to make the playoffs plus 240. At Sugar House, you can also take the other side of that, minus 270 to not make the playoffs. Again, not a lot of value in that. 9-1 uh, to one to win the division here, 25-1 to win, to one to win the NFC, and 50-1 to win the whole show. Um, offense is still clicking. They are going to do it uh, just like they did last year. 
maybe we got Todd Gurley or whatever's left of Todd Gurley, I guess, at this point is kind of what we're going to have to worry about. But, you know who uh, doesn't cut like Manscaped is Todd Gurley. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that is uh, – he will leave you bleeding, though, if you are uh, <laughs> you're not careful. But uh, – as disappointing last year, seven to nine. I don't know what's left of him, but he's going to be there to get a shot. Um, you know, I know they dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Both of their they had two first round picks, uh, both on the offensive line. Uh, barely got anything out of them. Chris Linscomb and, and Caleb and Gary, they'll be back again, trying to make holes for whatever's left of Todd Gurley and his knees. We still obviously have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley emerging. Lots of buzz on him this season. But again, their defense is atrocious. It was one of the worst in the league last year, uh, 30th in passing success rate allowed. And I don't know that they're any better. I mean, they reached for A.J. Terrell in the first round uh, to replace Desmond Trufant, who moved on. But like the other two guys back there, like kind of shitty draft picks from last year, Kendall Sheffield, Isaiah Oliver, like the offense is going to, this is going to be a lot of 38 to 35 games if uh, if this team is going to win anything. So, uh, Ellie, give me your thoughts on the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to, to a little shameless plug here, a free tool we have over at ftnbets.com is the prop shop. And I can just type in Atlanta Falcons, and I can see to win the Super Bowl, to win NFC, NFC South. Like, any bet you can make on the Falcons, I can see across all the different sports books to go line shopping to make sure you always get the best value. And, you know, it's huge, right? Like, if I did think they were going to win the NFC South, why would I bet it at FanDuel at 7-1 to one when points bet has it at 9-1, to one, for example? So that Getting the best number is the easiest way to improve your, your betting game. But I'm with you. I wish I wish you could bet on total points scored in their season because I would take that over. Um, oh, yeah. Like, this, this team had the highest pass frequency last year. Their defense is doo-doo. Um, they have no – yeah, de- hard-hitting analysis right there. <laughs> <laughs> they have no uh, real run game. I know they, they signed Todd Gurley, and I think he's actually a pretty solid fantasy pick for where he's going because he's going to have real touchdown equity in that offense, and he's competing with Ito Smith and Brian Hill, right? Like there's he's going to get a ton of, of work, and we know that they really feature the running backs in the passing game. But this team is, is – n- is going to be in a lot of shootouts and probably come on the wrong side of a lot of them. So uh, I'm, I'd stay away. If, if anything, I would take the under on the win total. Yeah. Due to backups behind Gurley <laughs> as well. So like, it's just, we can talk about it all day about, you know, how he's dusty. And he probably is, but like he's, there's just going to be opportunity. And that is, is the name of the game, especially in fantasy, like from a prop market standpoint, I'm guessing Connor, you're going to uh, take the stand and just, let him be. Um, our projections are a little under on him too. Our four for four dot com projections: seven hundred and ninety four rushing yards, lowest out there that uh, we found before the show. Eight and a quarter on Gurley. What are your thoughts on that, or any of the other Falcon props? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just kind of a lot of outs on like a Gurley under, right? So, like with the injury issues, like there's definitely a chance where at some point in the season he's not healthy enough to receive a full workload. Um, and you know, he's not, he's not able to handle all of the work. And so he's not able to get over that mark. So I kind of like him to go under here, or, I mean, potentially like his arthritis swells up and, you know, like he's just not able to go at all. Um, so I, I do think there are a lot of outs for this under here. So 
I definitely would not touch the touch the over, um, and I kind of like the under here. Um, but in terms of the Falcons, they've gone seven and nine each of the past two seasons, and now they're projected to play against the toughest schedule in the league according to opposing win totals. They play five games against teams with win totals under eight, and two of those are the Panthers, who, I mean, honestly, I think might give them a five least one game if not both um so and then you you break down the schedule here like a lot of people talk about you know like the last whatever five six games that you're supposed to play so after the bye here you get the saints twice and the bucks twice as well as a road game to kansas city and a road game against uh the chargers and you have to play against the raiders so i mean the chargers and raiders are not great but still like you're playing whatever five games that are just like very, very difficult um, that are almost for sure losses, I would say, for the Falcons. Um, and before the bye, I mean, you're looking at two games against the Panthers and then the Lions and the Broncos are the easiest teams they play otherwise. It's going to be a lot of tough games for the Falcons, especially given their defensive woes. So I don't know. I, I think that the under here is probably my play on the Falcons, but um, otherwise I think that Gurley under is good as well. Yeah, seven and a half is it's just hard to look through that schedule. And I know we talked about that, like the mental gymnastics it takes to, to talk about how good a team is going to be in like late November's. Probably not the best way to go about it, but we obviously have to make some sort of, you know, forecast and projections on these teams and feel pretty safe sitting here knowing that they are not as good as the Saints, Bucks, and the Chiefs. And that is that's five games towards the tail end of the season. So. Um, it is going to be on Matt Ryan to carry them, to keep them in games even at all, to even sniff seven wins. So pretty bullish on him this season. You know, obviously, I know we like to, especially in fantasy, we want to take guys that run a little bit more, but uh, we'll lean on his arm with his weapons, you know, bringing Hayden Hurst in to replace Austin Hooper, um, hoping that we can get some sort of passing work out of the running backs, and then obviously having two guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley is pretty exciting. Our projections on Ridley are pretty much flat to the books, and uh, we are a little higher on Julio than what we're finding out there at 1,434 yards. Um, Elliot, talk to me about this passing game. Yeah, I, I, I've seen as low as 975 for Ridley. I would take the over. I think he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver this year. We just talked about how bad this defense is and these shootouts they're going to have to get into. They're throwing the ball 47 times a game. No Austin Hooper. I know that everyone is very excited for Hayden Hurst to break out in his, his age 42 season this year. <laughs> but, um, you know, no, they traded Sanu. There's, it's it's Russell Gage, right? Like, it, it's going to be the Ridley and Julio Jones show. And, it, and his, he got, again, it's going to be the Ridley and uh, Julio Jones show. I don't, I don't care if, if – is it is it Megaquan or whatever his nickname was that was very wrong? Um, Calvin really is going to end up commanding a, a 22 to 24% target share on this offense. And if they throw the ball 45-plus times a game like they did last year, and you guys just talked about the strength of schedule going up against teams like the Chiefs, Bucks, Saints, the Panthers are going to have a horrendous defense. Like They're going to get into a lot of shootouts. They may end up averaging by the, the time the season's over like the, a top-five high point total. Those are the kind of games I want to get receivers in. So Ridley is a guy that I would feel comfortable taking the over. Um, I, I think he's he he's one of those guys, too, that's shooting up a lot of sharp fantasy people's boards, right? You see him go in the third, fourth round. Uh, 
third is high, but I, I've seen it in dynasty leagues. But there are a lot of sharp people on Ridley in fantasy, and that tends to lead towards you know people thinking that he's going to have a big year, right? I, I know that's a really lame way to put it, but I it's just give me pass catchers in teams that are going to have to throw forty five plus times a game. Yep, you want to pass catchers on teams with shitty secondaries and no pass rush to speak of, like. It's kind of why this team is built, unfortunately. So, I call it, I gotta say, I'm distracted. I don't know if it's the backwards hat, but like you look, a, there's a little bit of a counselor vibe. Oh, stop it! Did you really just compare me to that loser? Come on, I'm not comparing you to him per se. I am saying that there's a slight resemblance where you got a little bit of you know that five o'clock, maybe ten o'clock shadow stuff. You have the backwards hat going on. I'm just saying. You're not putting out a counselor vibe. I'm just saying you look a little did bit like you. Did right you now. like seeing my hairline every other time or what? Um, <laughs> no, it made me feel bad for you. It made me want to take exactly, your Yeah. So I think that instead of Manscaped, we needed to get on a different person, like a different uh, <laughs> promoter that, like, you know, was like for hair loss and, you know, helped me get back some of my hair. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have that today. And it's I would not get any. And maybe otherwise I wouldn't be getting giving you counselor vibes. That is ridiculous. I'm that, saying that guy is so life. weird, man. You know, if you if you listen to this on the podcast, check out the YouTube channel. Just let us know. Put a comment in there. Let us know if you're feeling <laughs> a little bit of, of counselor vibe. From <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh in the takes are alive, I'm saying it's just a little bit what I'm catching. So uh, I'll move on to the Panthers here. Final team in the division, putting off a massive Falcons vibe here as well. Um, Plus 550 make the playoffs. Five and a half is the win total everywhere. Uh, differing juice. Elliot mentions you can use that free tool over at FTN to make sure you're getting the best of the number. Uh, they are 22 to 1 here to win the division, 60 to 1 to go to the Super Bowl, and 125 to 1 to win the whole thing. Um, obviously, massive change. Matt Rule coming in, Joe Brady coming in to coordinate the passing offense, which is going to be exciting. He obviously was instrumental in making LSU what they were last year. Obviously they had some weapons to make it happen, but um, there's some familiarity. He spent some time in the league before actually in new Orleans, most recently working with Teddy Bridgewater when he was there backing up drew Brees. They just like the Falcons have a terrible defense. They used their entire 2020 draft to address the defensive side of the football. They're going to be relying on a lot of rookies and second year guys that have had no real training camp, no preseason games, just a handful of padded practices. Um, and their offense might be just as good. They're obviously maybe not as dynamic at the quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater versus Matt Ryan. But, man, the weapons here, we know Christian McCaffrey's dynamic. What DJ Moore was able to do last year with Kyle Allen was incredible. Uh, you're bringing in Robbie Anderson, who also worked with Matt Rule at Temple, who is boys with Bridgewater. They were together with the Jets. Uh, and Robbie said, I'm going wherever Teddy is going. We know that Curtis Samuel is dynamic as well. So this is going to be another fun, maybe prop market and DFS squad. But from a win-loss standpoint, it's going to be rough with that defense. Uh, talk to me about the Panthers, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, I'll skip right over the win-loss totals because I, I want DJ Morris over. Uh, 1,050 yards is too low. This is also, in terms of the biggest arbitrage opportunity that I've seen, he is 1,050 yards on DraftKings. He is 1,250 on points bet. That is a that is a massive oh, wow. difference. 
Um, I he's also twenty five to one at Sugar House to lead the league in receiving, but sixty six to one on Fanduel. I think he's got a shot at sixty six to one, and I I like that long shot play. Moore is a guy that we've seen kind of step up the last two years. He was one of the worst. He had one of the worst catchable target rates in the NFL last year because you know you you mentioned um, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater might not be Matt Ryan, but he's definitely better than Kyle Allen, who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, right? And DJ Moore also has that phenomenal run after catchability. We know that Teddy Bridgewater is accurate. They're going to be one of the worst defenses in the league, like you mentioned. And and getting Brady from LSU, that offensive coordinator that kind of runs the spread style offense and, and knows how to keep the pace up and, and attack vertically. I think this this offense is has a lot of buys in the pop market. And it's some of the numbers are pretty disrespectful. Uh DJ Moore over 1,050 yards all day long. Teddy Bridgewater's at 18 and a half touchdowns. Oh that's, where? That's at DraftKings. It's oh an incredibly low passing touchdown number for a guy who they're they're not gonna replace him. He's going to start 16 games with the worst defense in the NFL. And yeah, that's low. Gonna, yeah, he needs to not die. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to not get COVID. He wears two gloves, so like he, you know, he's a little bit out of shape. <laughs> but give give me Bridgewater's over on touchdowns, and give me DJ Moore's over on yards, and I'll sprinkle in some on DJ Moore to lead the league in receiving yards. Yeah, third in receiving yards per game last year. And again, dealing with you know Kyle Allen for a large chunk of it, he you know basically didn't play the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely love him, and uh, yeah, I really like all the receivers. I think they're all buys at their ADP, and uh, it's hard to be down on McCaffrey to think that there's obviously not repeating last season. I think is a stretch, but like, why not? He is still going to be the vo- uh, focal point of that offense as a receiver and a runner, there's really nothing behind him either. And uh, yeah. What are your thoughts, Connor? I, lo- I like the DJ more love. I think that, so, you know, I have this, a little bit of a contrarian take here with the Panthers and that's mostly revolving around Joe Brady and Matt rule and just how quickly uh, the ranks here as coaches. So, I mean, Joe Brady literally was a linebackers coach uh, at William Mary in 2013, 2014, then spent two years as a grad assistant at Penn State. Uh, and then he worked for the Saints for two years, like in some like reserve, you know, coaching role and was given like a passing coordinator job at LSU. It was not even the offensive coordinator, the passing coordinator. So, I mean, he was technically the offensive coordinator, but not really. And then now is an NFL offensive coordinator after a few years ago, just being a linebackers coach. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Obviously, what LSU did was incredible, and the turnaround that they had as an offense was unbelievable, but I don't know. I think that it's a little bit scary to see that this guy who just came basically from nowhere and um, has, like, ascended so quickly is able to now be an offensive coordinator. And kind of the same thing for Matt Rule, who turned around a Temple program and a Baylor program, but is that mean? does that mean that he's all of a sudden ready to take a jump, take the jump to the NFL as a head coach? Um I'm not really entirely sure. So I'm not like fading these guys. I just think that there's a little bit of like an underrated downside. So like, could this totally collapse on these guys? I think that there's definitely a possibility that's like not just not really talked about in this space. Um, But does that mean that these guys aren't going to produce? I don't think so because their defense is so bad. Like either way, they're going to have to throw Um, either way. The volume is going to get there. So 
like Teddy Bridgewater's prop of, you know, 3,500, is, I think too low. At Caesars, it actually opened up at 2,999 yards. <laughs> um, yeah, which is just <laughs> so ridiculous. Like if you play 16 games in the NFL, you're yeah. going over 3,000 yards. Oh, God. I know. I actually was like the guy who sent that to me, I almost like sent him money in the mail. I was like, man, just please take my money. Like whatever the max that is, put that in on the over. I don't like – and, you know, of course, you couldn't get it soon enough. And it, there were still some 3,200s, 3,300s floating around for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, even at 3,500, I still like the over. I actually have a bet with, um, it's like Hillo fantasy football. I don't know his actual name, but he bet me that, uh, Teddy would be like a quarterback one in like April, like a top 12 quarterback. And I said, no, um, I still feel okay about that, but I feel a lot less confident now. Um, after like kind of looking into it more and doing more analysis, I, I think he ends up kind of in like that quarterback 15 quarterback 16 range by the end when it's all said and done. But I don't feel as good as I did, like you know, when I started with all this, because I think that, I mean, Teddy's just going to score a lot of fantasy points. You have the better side of the bet. You yeah. do, yeah, like, I think so. I mean, even money, even money, right? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I I would go ahead and place the same wager on the over eighteen and a half touchdowns. There's no earthly way you lose both, and there's a really, <laughs> really good chance you uh, you meddle Win with. Both. Yeah. That's that's sharp. Actually, I might do that. I think I, the touchdowns is that's that's crazy low, man. That's low. That's that's barely averaging over a touchdown a game. Like that's <laughs> that's yeah. that's nothing. For, for they're gonna have the worst defense in the NFL. They're gonna have to throw the ball thirty five times a game, forty times a game, and I'm all of his guys are great after the catch. McCaffrey, Samuel, and more. He Andy can throw the ball. What happened? Andy and Thomas. I'm not gonna give him. One of the best guys ever to catch in the NFL. But yes. I'm talking about, like, you know, at his position. I think mean, he's a They have good. athletes, and I'll tell you what, those teams do not want to play. Uh, they have three guys with 4-4 four, four speed or two guys with 4-3 speed. Yeah. Like, that's – there's going to be plays that, that, that they make. Um, and, Connor, your point I think is excellent. Like, do Rule and Brady work out? I don't know. Do I think it matters to Teddy Bridgewater throwing over 18 and a half touchdowns? No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I would say about that too, is I'd be careful with like, I get the point for sure, but like just because he was doing a different gig and worked his way up fast, like you got to like get in where you can get in. You just cutting his teeth on being a linebacker coach. Doesn't mean he doesn't have, you know, an offensive mind. I mean, like, Belichick was, you know, coaching tight ends. You like, you see all this stuff all the way through, like you just got to get in where you can get in. And like I think Josh McDaniels came in too as like a, you know, like secondary coach. Like when he first came in, obviously wanted to, to be calling plays and running an offense, but you just got to get your foot in the door. He obviously showed an aptitude for that when given the chance. Again, he had a lot of weapons at LSU. Uh, had a great quarterback who was a no-brain slam dunk first-round pick. A couple other first-round picks in there as well on the offensive side. So like he had some guys, but he obviously has – a mindset for it. And and Matt rule, like what he's going to be doing by bringing in someone like Brady is he's going to be doing something that he did at temple and at Baylor kind of a CEO. He's just kind of running the ship, not necessarily calling plays, but just being a leader of men, quote unquote, but like, you know, he's shown an ability to do that at the college level. So um, that's not a bad thing. People knock on that all the time. I mean, it, you really, the head coach is really the, like a CEO of a locker room, and and sometimes allowing people to do what they're great at is one of a CEO's best 
um, jobs, right? I mean, a lot of people like to micromanage and try to do everything. And that's a really, really difficult thing to do. So the fact that he he has shown at two different programs, he trusts his guys to to build out different parts of the program, I, I think is a credit to him. I could not agree more. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is a uh, a team that I would take over at the five and a half. Like defense is terrible. Like I said, they use their entire draft to address that side of the ball. You know, these guys aren't going to have any practice time. What's returned is, is kind of dicey. They've, you know, Keith Lee retires. There's really not a whole lot there defensively, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm buying all pieces of this. So um, McCaffrey, how close do we get to even a 80% of what we saw last year? 80%. I think there's a really good opportunity for him. To, he's going to play all the snaps. There's no one behind him. It's nothing. <laughs> he's going to play yeah. all the snaps. He's going to see what? 120 targets. Um, he's game script proof. He's the only guy in the red. Like he's, I think it's a very high percent chance we see at least 80% of what he did last year. Yeah. Any thoughts there, Connor? Is he uh, lock in? I mean, you did make a controversial pick in a uh, FFPC draft earlier this year. We'll throw you and your uh, your partner under when a, a little bit scheduled. Yeah. Tejury, I thought that I, I get the process, but you uh, had the one-on-one and you left McCaffrey on the board. Yeah, I mean, that was solely FFPC-based because – McCaffrey has a buy during the playoffs. So, I mean, who wants to go into their first round of their playoffs with a, with a guy, their first round pickoff buy? I mean, that's like, you know, just not ideal. Plus, I mean, Saquon's going to ball, so it doesn't really matter too much. Um, all right, back to McCaffrey. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he'll, he'll probably smash. Like, there's not really much of a reason for him not to. Like, I would say that, you know, 80% is 80 to 90% of what he did last year is probably fine, if not more. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it's it's tough to really nitpick too much because he's no competition and the offense should be playing from behind a bunch. I mean, if I almost wish that like last year didn't happen with like his receptions and everything because there would be so many good props on that because of they're going to be playing behind the whole time and like Teddy's just going to be dumping it off so much. But um, I mean, the the props are going to be like way too high. I mean, like by the end of last season, like they were floating like McCaffrey over under like six and a half, seven and a half catches per game. Um, which, you know, at that point, there's just not really much value left on the board. And, I mean, I think there's still a good chance that he'll be going over those <laughs> pretty routinely. So, Yeah, he's a, he's a stud. It's hard to take those, like, super high running back you know, props just because there's so many outs. McCaffrey's, McCaffrey's value is not in the prop betting market, like, right? No. You get the first overall pick, and now you have Christian McCaffrey. Which is super valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the winning, it's like pretty important. All right. Favorite bet in the division. Wrap it up, Connor. Uh, favorite bet we discussed tonight. Um, I think that I well, I think that the saints win the division. Uh, my favorite bet is probably either the Falcons under or, you know, Todd Gurley's under is what I would say. Or my, my two favorites here. Yeah. What do you think, Elliot? Who wins uh, the division? DJ Moore, DJ Moore over 1,050 yards is – Far and away, my favorite bet here. Who uh, is this? The Saints division. I think it's going to come down to the Saints and Bucks. I think it's lined properly. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Saints are still in the mix for the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I think you're going to need some things to work out well for the Bucks for them to uh, 
usurp them here and uh, take over the division. But uh, uh, favorite bet, I, Falcons under. I just I don't see seven wins in the schedule. They need eight to get to over. I feel pretty good about that one. I like the Bucks over as well, but uh, that Falcons under seems seems really really safe. And I think you made some good points on Calvin Ridley. I think you know I know Connor hedged a lot, and I think that, that makes sense. Like taking some of these binary props in a season of uncertainty, especially on the running back side, receiver can tend to lean there a little bit more heavily, but that team is going to have to throw a ton and Ridley's number is a little too low for a guy that looks to, to have really just a cut role. There's really no third option. That's, that's uh worthwhile. I, I'm with you. Like I, I'm not really in on the Hayden Hurst stuff uh, in relation to, to Austin Hooper. So I think that the Ridley buy is, is pretty exciting too. So, all right. That doesn't any other takes for the folks, Connor. No, I think that, you know, this is a solid episode and just need to go out and say that I am not Robert Joseph, the counselor. <laughs> that was a wild thing to say. <laughs> Forgetting sometimes that Connor is, is, is sometimes sensitive, you know, sometimes it's, I don't think you have counselor takes. I just picked up a little bit of a counselor vibe with the hat on backwards, the facial hair. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I apologize. I still love you. I'm going to go start picking fights with, like, running backs now. I think this is, uh, you know, just, like, start DMing them on Instagram and trying to trying to pick fights with them. See what happens. All right. Well, don't forget to find us. Uh, find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Uh, this is also going to be over on YouTube. Check out our YouTube 444 channel. Uh, you can find the podcast as well on Twitter at move the line NFL. You can find Connor there at Connor Allen NFL. And again, don't forget to check out FTN. Uh, Elliot's has been again, essential in driving a lot of the cool free tools. You can find um, in my profile and Elliot's profile linked to get in over there. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season. You want to take advantage of some of that stuff that Elliot's really been the, uh, the brainchild behind. So, uh, and then at Elliot Chris on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks guys. This is a blast. All right, uh, that does it. We'll be back next week to unpack another division. So for Connor, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening.